are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, hey, time to get in the Word together today, which is good. You're going to do that? Thanks, baby. I feel the cool breeze. Anybody else feel the cool breeze? That's good. (laughs) It's been such a hot week, hasn't it? My goodness. One thing about Kansas, uh, it shifts all at once. That's a good symbol for our year. (laughs) Things happen all at once, and we we got to adapt to it, you know, which is really important. Um, Next week, we're going to start a series on how to be a multicultural church. We're going to just talk about everything going on in the world. We're just going to spend some time just looking at things, talking about things. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Part of what God's doing in the season of life is there are issues confronting the church that we have to deal with and we have to talk about. And uh, I, want us, I, don't, I don't want us to be passive or um, if God puts us on our plate, we need to talk about it. So we're going to talk about some things. And, you know, when Jesus talked about social issues, he just made everybody mad. You know, so I'm like, okay, you know, Lord, are, you, are we ready for this? You know, he just pissed everybody off sometimes, you know, so I, ho- I hope that's not the case. I think God's got good stuff for us, but we're going to share as honestly as we can, and, and I'm learning and growing, and you're learning and growing, and let's just be who God's called us to be. I think that's the thing. Right now, we're in a series called Reset, and Reset is the word God has given to the global church right now, and to us specifically. I'm hearing this word over and over and I believe he's using the events of this year to give us a reset. Um, he wants to clear away the clutter and the unnecessary things that we have made part of church. And he wants us to get back to the simplicity of being in relationship with each other and with him. Very simple. Uh, wants, to, wants to get us back to the main thing. And he wants, to, he wants to reset us so we can become a church after God's heart. It's so easy for churches to become about a lot of things. <laughs> but the main thing a church needs is to love him and to love each other. It's very simple. Actively, not in theory. And we're going to talk about this. And when you are in a reset period, don't be surprised when God challenges you. Don't be surprised. It's time for some challenges. He brings just what he needs to bring onto our plate at the right time. If he brought everything into my life I needed to deal with at one time, I'd be overwhelmed. I just quit. I couldn't deal with it. He knows what to bring when we need it. And so don't be surprised right now if God is going to speak to you about some things where you need to make some adjustments. He's going to do it. <laughs> and I know this has been a hard series. I was joking, you know, Lace and I were talking last week, you know, it's been some hard preaching, <laughs> you know, and it's just time for some hard preaching and there's some time for some gentleness, but this is some time to, to, to jump into what God has for us. And we've got to be a people who love and obey the Lord. We've got to be. Uh, we've got to be a people who love his word and have the courage to do what God says to do. You know, I appreciate you and your response to this message and the things we've been talking about. And um, a lot of us are doing so well in the area of morality and in the area of money, two of the big things that the church struggles with. You will not regret it if you pay the price to live life God's way. Salvation is free. Following Jesus will cost you everything, <laughs> you know, and uh, you're, you're not going to re- regret it. And, and we're at a point where you've got to have a deep conviction that God's way is the best way, 
Okay? I didn't say that God's way is the right way. We, know, we need to know that his way is the right way, but we also need to believe in our gut that God's way is the best way. It's not just about right or wrong. It's about his love for us and being a people that trust him. And, and that's, what's on our, that's what's on our plate. And if you don't believe that God's way is the best way, you're going to drift into all kinds of negative stuff. So he does it because he loves us. So we're looking specifically at what Jesus said to the people in Luke 21 about the last days. So can we stand together in honor of God's word? And uh, I'm going to read this out loud for us. Luke 21, 23 through 25. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Strong words. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. You may be seated. So he was talking to him about uh, the times that were going to come on the earth when he was going to return. He called it that day. When that day comes, I want you to be ready, be alert, be in prayer. He wanted his people to be prepared for what's to come. Did you know that God wants you to be prepared for what's to come? God loves to give you a heads up about what's coming. Sometimes we're surprised. He's not going to tell us everything. He's teaching us how to trust him. But he will, he will give you a heads up of a lot of things that are going to come. And he wanted his people to know when that day comes, I want you to be ready. You know, we don't have all the time in the world to pursue the things of the Lord. We always talk about, like, we got, we got, I, I got plenty of time. Lord said, you don't have plenty of time. <laughs> My day is coming soon, and we need to be ready. It's always sooner than we think. And it reminds me of what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 24. He said, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So according to the Lord Jesus, it's going to be easy for people that aren't paying attention not to be ready. And he says, I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be ready. I want you to know what's coming. I'm going to give you prophetic voices. I'm going to give you people to, to speak the truth. My Holy Spirit's out there speaking. You're going to have plenty of ideas of what's coming and a sense of timing if you just listen to me. And it'll just look like any other time. You know, we're getting ready to enter a period. There's turmoil. And there's going to be turmoil. The birth pains of Jesus coming, his return, are, are hitting us, and they have been. Um, but in a sense, it's going, to be, it's going to look normal. And we're going to go on, we can, we'll have the opportunity just to get back to normal and say, man, I'm glad that's over with. But God says, don't be fooled. It's time to get ready and be prepared, as in the days of Noah. So three things that he said in the last days are going to weigh, weigh people's hearts down. Carousing, which is immorality. Ignoring God's boundaries and doing sex and relationships the way the rest of the world does it and not according to God's plan. Society's standard, not Jesus' standard. Anxieties of life, we talked about last week, worrying about money. We talked about how God says you can't love me and love money at the same time. They're, they're exclusive. You know, they, 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 they go against each other. Um, the, the main reason people are going to fall away in the last day is that they're going to be afraid if they trust Jesus 
when the heat is on that they're not going to have enough and people are going to fall away. And the last one is drunkenness. That sounds kind of odd that this is in with these other, other two. Now, drunkenness can refer to addictions. You know, in our, in our society, there are, there are a lot of struggles with addiction today. Uh, alcohol, opioids, cocaine, other substances, uh, addictions to these things kill thousands of people every year. Uh, 21 million people in our world estimated, or in our country, struggle with at least one addiction to one substance, at least. But I think Jesus is talking about something beyond this. If I could say this, we're in a day where you got to look beyond what's happening in the physical. I don't want to get mystical about this, but this, we got to know that God's doing something behind the scenes. It's about what's happening, and we need to pay attention to what's happening, but there's something going on uh, behind the scenes that's even bigger that God's doing. I think he's referring to mental, emotional, and spiritual drunkenness. Uh, a dullness or laziness that's going to overtake many, not being engaged with the Lord, being distracted by many things, losing your passion for God. And I think that's what the church is struggling with in this world today. I think uh, most, most leaders don't address it. Uh, most churches focus on how to have more comfort, how to be more successful, how to have great relationships. Those aren't bad things, but Jesus says, this is what's going to overtake you in the last days Pay attention. So today we're going to talk about drunkenness, spiritual laziness or dullness, not being sharp in your relationship with the Lord. Now, I've been kind of doing this all the way through. How many of you guys would love to have a pastor who's spiritually dull and lazy in his walk with God? Who, who would be excited about that? <laughs> who wants to have a pastor who doesn't have a passionate love relationship with the Lord Jesus, who's not close enough to him to know what is on his heart? Who wants that? Uh, how do you like a pastor who uh, engages with God just enough to get by? God, show me the minimum I've got to do to be a good pastor so I can just do the minimum. Would you be excited about that? How about a pastor who doesn't pray much or get into God's word or is distracted by so many causes and issues that their focus of the Lord Jesus goes to the background? You know, obviously we don't want that. I don't want it for myself you don't want it for me, <laughs> and we don't need that. But, but how about you? Where is your walk with God? Are you spiritually sharp right now, or are you like, God, just show me enough to get by, because I just want to do the bare minimum? And I think so many people right now find themselves in a place of spiritual dullness. Um, they lost their fire for God. They have no passion. They're going through the motions. Um, they don't have a passion for his, wo his word and his ways. Passionate about some things. We're always passionate about something, but not really about the Lord Jesus and who he is. As a result, we hear God's voice less. We drift. You know, I used to have a canoe. We used to live on a lake. And I learned you've got to tie that canoe to something on the shore. Or when you get out the next day to get on the canoe, it's going to be out in the middle of the water. What happens? It just drifts look out there and see my canoe, how to get way out there? Well, just a little bit at a time. <laughs> it just ended up way out there in the middle of the lake. And Mary, swim out there and get that canoe. Come on now. Uh, it, it happens. Uh, we become less self-aware. Man, we think we're just knocking it out of the park, and the truth is we're in a bad place. Spiritual dullness. The Lord Jesus says this is going to be an issue in the last days, 
And we've got to make sure we don't get weighed down by this. Now, today we're going to look at what the Lord Jesus said to a church in a city called Laodicea that struggled with this for a while. And I want to tell you, I just I tried to get away from this. I was going to talk about something else. I had a different approach. God just kept on bringing me back over and over and over again. So we're going to just hang here. Uh, the, this was written in a book called Revelation by a guy named John who was exiled on an island called Patmos by the Roman government. The mean strong, dominating Roman government was afraid of this guy because of his passion for the Lord Jesus and anointing on his life. So they put him on an island to get him away. And when he's out there, the Lord Jesus came and revealed himself to John in a new way and said, I want you to write a letter for me to the seven churches that were in uh, present-day Turkey or Asia Minor. Now, Laodicea was a very, very wealthy city. 35 years before this letter was written, they had a massive earthquake that leveled the entire city, just knocked it to the ground. Because they were so wealthy, they, they said, we'll rebuild our own city. Rome came and said, hey, we'll pay for everything. They said, no thanks, we got this, we don't need you, we'll rebuild our own city. And they did, and they made it better than it was the first time. Um, they were known for their massive theaters, their huge stadiums. They had lavish public baths, which were really popular. They had massive shopping centers. They were confident, independent, self-assured. Does that remind you of anybody? They were known for three industries. Uh, they had a banking center. People would come from all over the area to deposit the money there and uh, to get gold. They had a textile center where they made this glossy black wool that they made into garments that were highly prized in the Roman Empire. And they had a major medical school. No, William, it was not KU, it was something else. Uh, yeah, I know, it can't be perfect. Uh, it was known worldwide, and they had an ISAF, if I could say this correctly, with a Phrygian powder they made from local stone that would heal people's eyes. And this is what Jesus said to this wealthy church, this blessed group of people. He said to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and you do not need a thing. But do you not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? That's some strong words. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. I want to read that again. Those whom I love, I rebuke. And I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who's victorious, I will give the right to sit, on, sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. To the churches. <laughs> now, I don't know what you hear when you hear those words. I think about his incredible love for us. Yeah. 
and how much he cares in his heart for us, that he would say the hard things we need to hear and not just leave us alone (laughs) and reach out to us and challenge us. Jesus says to them, I know your, what? Your deeds. I know your works. I know what you do. He didn't say, I know what you believe. That's important to us. He says, I know how you live. (laughs) You know, there's a difference. You know, you can have a set of beliefs. We can have a creed that we recite every day at church. We can believe different things. But what we do reflects what we really believe. Not talking about what you say you believe. He says, I see the choices that you're making every day. If your beliefs differ from your choices, you have a problem. And that's what God's calling us to. And he describes their deeds. He says that uh, they weren't hot or cold. Now, that's a strange thing to say, isn't it? Hot deeds or cold deeds. That's what he was saying. Uh, We got any coffee fans in the house today? Got some coffee fans. Proud of it. William holds up his cup of coffee (laughs) in the back. That's good. Uh, Hot coffee's good? Yeah? Cold coffee's good. Cold coffee's kind of been a new thing lately. Uh, Some of you say no coffee's good. You know, yeah, yeah, there you go. Coffee that's been sitting out for hours. You know, I've been so tired before that I've actually got up in the morning and I was so lazy. I just took yesterday's coffee and heated it up in the microwave. Ooh, it's not so great. Uh, We don't want room temperature coffee. And Jesus was comparing these guys uh, and their walk to a lukewarm drink. You guys are like a lukewarm drink. (laughs) Now, this had a little extra edge to it because... Jesus was a rabbi. Rabbis would use whatever was at hand to make, uh, to point out truth. Uh, Laodicea Laodicea had yucky water. They had water that uh, just tasted bad, and of course it was just lukewarm. And they would run a series of aqueducts, cold water from the mountains in Colossae. There's a place called Heropolis that had uh, hot springs. It was a little mineral water, but it was hot. And they, they went to all, these trub- all this trouble to build these aqueducts to bring this water in to their city. Uh, and they wanted to get it there as fast as they could because they didn't have microwaves, didn't have refrigerators. Uh, hot and cold drinks were a real premium. Hey, this week, cold drinks have been a premium, haven't they? Take me to Sonic. Uh, at the religious festivals, they would serve as part of their worship, not the church, but just the, just the, the pagan city would serve hot and cold drinks as part of their worship services. And if you were important, you'd be first in line. The important people got the hot drinks or the cold drinks. But the farther you went down the line, you know, I'd be, I'd be at the end. And by the time I got my drink, guess what? It'd be lukewarm. Wouldn't be hot, wouldn't be cold, just kind of, yeah, kind of yucky. Room temperature. And Jesus was saying to this church, you go to all this trouble to bring in water that's hot and cold physically. (laughs) But you're not putting that much relationship, that much work into our relationship and effort and focus that you'd be hot or cold for me, you know. Um, You're lukewarm. You're spiritually dull. You're not tuned in or connected with me in a specific way. He'd say, actually this, you're putting me in the back of the line. I'm that guy like Greg in the back of the line who's unimportant, who's getting the lukewarm drink. Now, what about us today? Are we putting effort into our relationship with God? God's putting effort into us, you know? 
He's working hard for us. Are you putting effort into obedience? Are you putting effort into spending time with him and knowing him? Are you pressing in? Are you spending time finding out what he wants and loving him? You know, it comes to how you use your time. Is he in the front of the line or the back of the line? (laughs) When it comes to what you post on social media, uh uh-oh. Is he at the front of the line or the back of the line? When it comes to what you think about and talk about around people, is he in the front of the line or the back of the line? And this is one God put on my heart. When it comes to who you don't want to offend, is he at the front of the line or the back of the line? Is he the priority? And is he who we're passionate about or is he way down the list? Jesus says to these people, he says, you are lukewarm. Another way might be to say half committed. Half committed to the word, half committed to prayer, half committed to the mission, Engaged with God when it's convenient, and there's nothing good on TV, um, but not enough to sacrifice too much. Dull to the things of the Lord, unresponsive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Well, how did they get this way? What happened to them? You know? And we don't know everything about this church, but as I look at this church and what they were doing, I think they were distracted. They'd let their other priorities creep into their lives, and somehow they just slid, and they lost their focus. They became intoxicated with the wrong things. How many of you guys know that being intoxicated is good? What did you learn at church today? Oh, Greg says, it's good to be intoxicated. <laughs> being intoxicated is a good thing. We just need to be intoxicated with the right things. Did you know that? God wants us to be madly in love with him and intoxicated with his love because he's madly in love with us. He wants us to reach out to him because we love it and we care about him the way he reaches out to us. He wants us to be intoxicated with loving him and to be thinking about him and we can't wait to spend time with him. Kind of like we were when we first got into this thing uh, early on in our relationship with God. Now there's many things we can be intoxicated with in life. Obviously, physically, physical things, but uh, relationships. We can be intoxicated with relationships. Mary and I were googly-eyed when we first got married and we were dating. We were a mess, man. We, just like to, we would just like to sit and look at each other. Isn't that weird? We just like to look. We like to be together. I couldn't, rem- I couldn't wait to get off work so I could come and we could just hang out and, and be together. And uh, we were so intoxicated and it was, it was wonderful for us. And we get that way. Relationships are awesome, aren't they? Man, good friendships, um, dating relationships, you know, and God's boundaries. But a lot of times that relationship becomes so important to us, we let our standards slip because we're more intoxicated with the relationship than we are with the Lord Jesus. I heard a pastor say, you know, I want to find the two. I mean, what do you want to find the two? Well, Jesus is the number one. I'm, I'm looking for number two. I'm looking for the two. (laughs) You know, that's a pretty good way to put it. We get intoxicated with making money and success. We talked about this last week. I used to own my own business. There is a a rush to making money. I I used to love to make make money. It was a a wonderful thing. So I became a pastor, which is a bad, that was a bad move, you know. Um, But these guys were rich and successful, and because of this, they became independent and self-sufficient. You know, we talked about this last week. Rich people don't think they need Jesus. Man, I got what I need. I can pay my bills. I have this great house. I got a nice car. I don't need to look to anything, and it's a problem. 
Uh, entertainment, sports, video games, hobbies. You know, I don't know if having games on our phone is a good idea or not. I, I find myself playing Candy Crush a lot and Wordscape. Those are my two games, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're not careful, you find yourself, you got a free moment, what do you do? Man, I'm just going to pray and just talk to the Lord for a while. I'm going to get in the Word. No, I'm going to play Candy Crush. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to get Wordscape out, you know. We, and we jump into these things, and every spare minute is engaged in playing these games sometimes. Um, causes are issues. Causes are great. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's okay to take up causes to look at what's going on, and there's things we have to deal with. But we can get so caught up in a cause that the Lord Jesus slides down the list, and we're, we find ourselves putting more, more passion into the cause than we're putting into our relationship with the Lord Jesus. If you're posting more about causes and less about the Lord Jesus, that's a problem. Now, don't be one of these people who are posting all this goofy stuff about religion and Jesus all the time. I mean, it can be kind of weird sometimes, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, it, our passion's going to come out in what we say. God's raising up voices right now. Let me tell you this. God is raising up voices. He's looking for voices that put him first, and then he's going to empower them to speak into causes. But there has to be this, this right priority in this order. And God's calling us to look beyond and see what's going on, more to see than in our human eyes. And we can be intoxicated with how people see us and perceive us. I like people to like me. I like it when, Pastor Greg, that was just a great sermon. We love you. <laughs> you know, you know, pastors live for that. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a good person. I'm okay, you know. You know, we, we, we get there. And the Laodiceans, they wanted to look good in their black wool garments, their tremata, they were called. They didn't want to be on the outside. Man, we face a danger right now if we want the cultural forces that be to approve of us right now, you know? Because you step outside this, we're seeing this in some areas, you step outside that, and man, they come after you, <laughs> you know? I saw a picture, it's, uh, it showed, uh, oh, I'm not going to say it because I'll get it all wrong, never mind. Strike that, strike that, you know? Um, sometimes we want to be on the pinnacle of what's cool, and, and, and we want to be on the right side, and we can so strive to be there we're missing it. You know, one thing we're going to find out more and more, you can't usually have the praise of men and the praise of God at the same time. Not usually. Sometimes you can, you know. This is what we've been invited to, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Been talking about this all year. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and some of your mind. We've been talking about that. Grant's giving me the no. All your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. You have not been called into religion or rule-keeping. You've been invited into a love relationship with the Lord. And if you lose this, we're going to become spiritually dull. You have been called to please the voices in our culture. If that's your focus, you're going to drift towards dullness. If we're overly concerned about offending people, and I want to be sensitive to people, but I've learned there's areas in my life where I'm just dumb and ignorant about things, and I'm educating myself about all kinds of things, and taking some classes even online. But if we are overly concerned about offending people and not offending the Lord, our voice is going to diminish. It's just going to be our voice. It's not going to be the Lord's voice. Jesus said to them, man, you're not hot or cold. You're lukewarm. So when I take a drink of what you're offering to me, I spit it out. Now, I grew up in the Baptist church. Love to make fun of Baptists. 
I've got Baptist jokes that Mary won't let me tell in public because they're offensive, aren't they? I about kicked out of, got kicked out of a couple's banquet in El Dorado. I was speaking at once because I was going to tell a joke, and Mary gave me that look. Don't do it. Don't do it. Shannon, you get that too from your wife. I know you do. Don't, don't, don't say that. I'm like, what? What? You know what? Don't, you don't need to say that. Um, <laughs> I was taught that, man, if, you don't, if you're not loving Jesus and you're, you're, you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of your mouth. And that used to terrify me as a teenager. And, and gee, I don't think Jesus is talking about that. I think he's saying he is offended by the attitude by which we're approaching him. He's offended with what we're offering him to drink. Here's my love. <laughs> Here's what I'm offering you, Jesus. And I'm like, man, this, you give me the, the last dregs of the lukewarm. It's got coffee grounds in it, you know. And I'm just gonna, I'm, if I drink that, I'm going to spit it out. Jesus is saying, and this is what we need to remember in this time in history. He wants to be the one we honor. He wants to be the one we love. He wants to be the one we focus on. He wants to be the one that we don't want to offend. That's what he wants. He wasn't angry in his, in his he wasn't angry with them. He challenges them. He wants them to be victorious. He wants them to be holy and clean. He says, I want you to sit on my throne. And I love the picture here. He said, when I died and I rose again, my father said, Jesus, come up here. And I sat on his throne. And he says, you know what I want for you? I want that day when you stand before me, I want to say, hey, come up here. I, I want you to try this on for, for size. I don't know if we're going to take turns, and I know it's not for everybody. He's going to say, I want, you're going to get to sit with me on my throne. It's symbolic, but I think it's real. I'm going to get a turn, <laughs> you know. It's going to be way bigger than me. I'm going to sit on there and just kind of look up, you know. But that was his heart for them. He says, man, I got so much for you. I got so much influence for you. I got so much I want you to do. Don't let me slide down the list. Don't give me the lukewarm drink. Man, put, make me your priority, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to infuse your causes and the other things you love with life when you put me first. That's his heart for us. So he tells him to do a couple things. He tells him real quick, buy for me gold refined in the fire. He says, I, I know you feel like you're rich and you got it all. I want to tell you, you're, you're kind of pitiful. <laughs> That's what he says. You're kind of pitiful. I want to help you. Now, in the South, we'd say, you know, God love them. God bless them. You're kind of pitiful. He's talking about blessing and favor. You know, passivity will affect your anointing and your influence. Let's say it again. Passivity will affect your anointing and your influence. He is, this, we're in a season, and he's always doing this, but we're in a season where God says, I want you to make the priority of your life to love me. I want you to make this decision. When, when we make a decision, when I met Mary, I, I, I started liking her. I started being infatuated her, with her. I started moving her direction. But there was a time in my life where I decided I love her, and I want to be with her the rest of my life. I made a decision, and that decision brought out a whole new level of love in my life. And then the day came where I stood up in front of people and I made it publicly and I made a vow and it brings it to the next level. There's, a, there's, a, there's power in your decision when you say, man, I, wanna, I just want to set my heart and my life to love him above everything else. That he's my number one. It does something in us. It brings out love and it changes our relationship. Man, 
I don't know what it would be like because I've just not been there in so long to go to church and I just don't really care that much about Jesus. That would just be horrible. That would be miserable, <laughs> you know, just, just to go. And it's, it's, I, love the, I love the church family. I love, I love being there. But I really don't want to do what God wants to do. And I'm really not going to read the Bible. I'm really, I'm really not going to pray. I just want to, <laughs> second wave coming on here. I, just, I don't want to do those things. I just want to come to church. I'm like, you know, I would much rather be somewhere else on Sunday mornings if I'm not setting my heart to love him, you know. One of the biggest decisions we can make is to determine that our, my primary dream is to love the Lord Jesus, and that's what I'm going to do. And again, our secondary visions and causes, friends, family, ministries, hobbies, vocations, causes, are enriched by loving God. He cares about the things that are important to you. He will infuse them with life, even hobbies and things that we love. I love to garden. Man, God blesses my plants. He does. I'm not, I'm not the best gardener. I love to cook. Sometimes he blesses that. Mary's a much better cook than I am. Whatever your hobby is, he cares about that. And he wants to infuse it with life. But he wants to be first. And then everything else falls into place. Psalms 91, 14 through 16. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me, who have made a decision to love me. Not sentiment. He's not looking for sentiment today. He's not looking for good feelings He's looking for obedience. I will protect those who trust in my name. That when things are down, I'm not looking to the bank account. I'm not looking for my friends, even though I care about my friends. My security is found in him. I'm looking for him. I trust in him. When they call on me, I will answer. I'm going to talk back. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. I will reward them with a long life. And give them my salvation. You see the favor there that God wants to put on us. We've got to make a decision to connect with him every day. Now, you would, we do it two ways. When I, I, I have a job, I'm working a lot. It's hot out. Some of you guys, how many of you guys work outside? I know, Matt, you're out there longer than I am. You know, when I'm out, I'm just in the morning. God, I want to, I want to connect with you and do life your way today. God, talk to me. And I'm dialoguing with him throughout the course of the day. I'm working, but I'm aware of what he's saying. When I'm worshiping and praising, sometimes there's a song stuck in my mind. You ever get that? He's got a song on your heart from the Lord, and you're singing the song, you know. And we, we get that. And it's, it's kind of there, and we just, we just pray, and we worship, and we talk, and a ministry opportunity comes along, and can I pray for you right now? And we jump in, and we do those things. Uh, but that's not, that's not enough. Then I had that time in my day where I just sit down with nothing else but him and the word. And I'm reading the word and I'm praying and I'm talking to him about it. You know, God loves it when you talk to him about things. Talk to him about your relationship. Talk to him about what's going on in the world right now. Talk to him about his coming. He wants to tell you things. He wants to speak to you about your life. He wants to make you more self-aware. And let you know where you really are, because he loves you. He wants to give you ideas and creativity and strategies for a great life and how to reach people. He, he wants to do these things. Uh, he's calling us right now. There is an opportunity right now for people who are serious about connecting with Jesus. He's calling us to prayer and fasting right now. Not an organized role, I could do 40 days of fasting. I'm talking about real fasting and prayer. Prayer on your own and prayer together. He's calling us to this right now. 
And I, I, believe it's, I believe it's of primary importance that we do this. And if you can't be here, man, just make sure you're engaging in prayer. And it's time to start some fasting. I'm a, I'm a fasting wimp. I was talking to Jerome. Jerome's had much bigger, better, harder core fasts than I've had in my life. And we were talking. We have a guys group. We meet on Thursdays, and we're talking. And I said, how long, how, what's the longest you've ever gone without food? He said, like, three days. I'm like, three days? <laughs> how do you do that? I get, I get loopy and weird. And, uh, and I'm working, you know. So Tuesday, we, I just set my, my heart. I'm going to fast all the way up until our prayer on Tuesdays. And then, and then I'm going to pray. And then I'll eat some food. And I'll, that terrifies me. I am so... I have addictions. I'm so addicted to food. So the first day we did it last week, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to, I don't care. I'm going to fast. If I fall over, I'm going to fast. And it's made it happen, you know. But get advice from people who do it, you know. Uh, real quick, i got to hurry. Um, like you're slowing me down, you know. Um, buy white clothes for me to cover your shame. I, I love the way Jesus gets, he uses illustrations from their city to help them understand what's going on here. He says, uh, you think you're well dressed in these fine clothes, but I want, I want you to know you're naked. <laughs> I want you to know that you're just not looking so good. And these clothes represent human authority and wisdom. He says, you're, one thing we have in common, we want to help people and make a difference. And God says, you can walk out there in your own fine clothes, your own accomplishments. Some of you guys are very well respected and loved, and people listen to you. And you can operate in that. Or, or he says, I want to clothe you with power from on high. And if you're wearing those clothes your influence and your ability to help people is going to be so much greater than your own good qualities. Does that make sense? He wants to, he wants to clothe you in what he has for you. That's what he was saying to them. Uh, are you clothed with your own power right now? Or are you clothed with his? And, and he says, buy salve for me so you can see. You know, they had this, this salve they put on people's eyes. They were proud of it. And he says, passivity is going to affect your vision. You're not going to see things right. Again, back to this. When you're spiritually dull, you just don't see what's going on. What's happening in our world is, is a symbol of something greater that's going on. You know, we're in a world that's alienating itself from the Lord more and more and more. And there's problems that have been around for centuries. And they're important. Let's deal with them. Especially when it comes to our relationships in here. Let's deal with it. Let's focus on what he's putting on our plate right now. But you're going to miss the bigger things that God's doing if you're not paying attention. He wants to show you things. He wants to show you more. Uh, back to this again. God is wanting to raise up prophetic voices today. You don't hear me say that kind of stuff all the time. He is wanting to raise up young prophetic voices that speak, that nail the thing that God's doing, and they speak it out. And it just nails it. You know when there's a prophetic voice? You know, Arnott's good at that, isn't he? Sometimes Arnold will just say something, and it's like, dude, that was it. <laughs> you know, you just said it. You know, that was it. And, and, I, and I commend him because we're friends, you know, and I was like, that was the thing. And he'll do that with me too, but he's good at that. And, and I, don't you admire that, that prophetic voice that just cuts through all the craziness and confusion, and like an arrow just goes right to the deal. God is wanting to raise up people who can be that. But it's people that are going to love him. And paid the price of obedience and paid the price of spending time with him and loving him. He didn't want them just to soothe people's wounds with their salve. He wanted to bring real healing. You know, when I look at the issues going on in our world today, 
you know, the racism, the, 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 the evil, <laughs> nasty stuff, the division. You know, Jesus is the answer to everything. He's not wanting to bring soothing to people's wounds. He's wanting to heal them. And he's looking for agents of healing, not just agents of soothing. That's what he's wanting to do. So he closes the whole thing with this, and this is how we're going to wrap it up. He says to me, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Open the door, let me in. (laughs) I'll come in and eat with you, and you can eat with me. Behold, I'm standing at the door. And knock. And there's a famous painting by a guy named uh, Holman Hunt. If we got that, we could put up there. And it's it's an older one, and it shows Jesus at the door, and he's got his lantern, and he's he's knocking on the door. He's kind of doing the, he's he's rapping with his knuckles, you know, doing the cool knock. And look what's in front of the door. Do the other one. Go back to the first one. What's in front of the door? A bunch of weeds. <laughs> That door ain't been open in a long time, <laughs> you know. He had that door like, man, he kind of stay, I want to get closer to the door, but the weeds are in the way, you know. This door hasn't been open for a while. And then the other one is one that's a little bit more modern. I don't know why they always put Jesus in a bathrobe. Usually it's a blue bathrobe. This is a red bathrobe. Um, there's no doorknob on that door. I thought, you know, somebody's really smart. You see that? There's no doorknob. It's got to be open from the inside. And guys, I'm not going to break down the door and barge into your life. He does that sometimes. You ever have him kick your door down? He'll do it. <laughs> but he likes to operate like this, you know. How about opening the door? And, and so much of what was said in this passage has more to it. And in the Greek world, and this sounds kind of creepy, uh, there was a thing that people would do is they would set an extra chair at dinner and they'd open the door. And there was something called an invited demon that they would invite to come into their house sit down at the table, and whisper secrets to them. Sounds kind of creepy, doesn't it? The invited demon would come in. When you, when you needed some advice or some counsel or you wanted to hear what was going on in that culture, you would open the door and you would invite whatever that spiritual thing was to come in and whisper secrets to you. And I think Jesus was using that cultural reference to show people what he wanted to do. But I want to, I want to come in and I want to give you wisdom for life. I want to eat with you, and I want you to eat with me, but I want to tell you my secrets. I want to tell you what, what I'm doing in the world today. I want, to, I want to tell you what I think about you and how much I love you. I want to, I want to give you some things to work on because I care about you and where things are going. I want to be that guy, that spiritual force that you invite into your life and say, God, I just, I just take the head of the table. <laughs> And I want to speak to you. And he told that church, if you can do that, if you can buy gold for me, if you can buy the right clothes for me, be clothed with power from on high, you know, if you can, if you can let me restore your vision, if you can just open the door, I'm going to come in and have fellowship with you. And things you're not going to be spiritually dull anymore. You know what happened to the church in Laodicea? It's kind of interesting. Church history records that they were a dynamic church well after most churches in the area died out. Uh, One of the bishops was martyred for his faith in A.D. 161. Uh, About 70 years after John wrote this as a warning to that city, this guy became a martyr. In A.D. 363, 300 years after Jesus wrote this to them, 
Laodicea was chosen as the location for significant church council. It appears they heeded what the Lord Jesus said, and they became a blessing to that region, possibly the leading church in that area. They got the hardest word from the Lord. The other churches, he said something good, then he challenged them. Laodicea says, man, you're pitiful. He gave them a hard word, didn't he? And man, they responded to it, and they became salt and light. Here's the thing. How is your relationship with the Lord Jesus right now? Is he your primary passion? If I had to ask you right now, what's the main thing that's on your heart and mind these days? What's the main thing? Is it him? Or is it something else? And it could be our ministry. It could be people. It could be a lot of good things, but he wants to be number one. Uh, Are you distracted right now? Things aren't going your way. You know, the events of, of the last three months let alone what's happened in the last month. It's putting people on edge. Man, we're frustrated. My fuse is shorter than it normally is. You know, someone married to say, Greg, go in the other room. <laughs> and I need to go in the other room sometimes, you know. And I've got to correct things in my heart and my, and in my spirit. Man, there's insecurity right now. There's things that need to be dealt with, you know. But are you distracted? Are you full of passion for him? What steps need to get back on track? You know, we're, we're starting to pray on Sunday or on Tuesdays. And I want to invite you. Uh, we've got communication cards in front of your chair. Don't put your name on it unless you just want to. But if there's something you're distracted with right now, we'd love to pray for you on Tuesday. Lift you up. Man, bless my sister, bless my brother. They said they're dealing with this issue that's distracting them. It's taking their focus. Uh, might be work. Might be a lot of things. We would love to pray for you. I want to invite you just to jot that down. Just before you leave, just come throw it up here somewhere, and, and we'll, we'll get those and pray for you. Um, here's what I think God's doing. This, this is my last of the three messages that we were doing on the heart issues that Jesus said is going to weigh people's hearts down. Um, I think God wants to break the spirit of compromise. We don't always say it like that, but I'm going to say it like that. I, f- I feel like God wants to break some things off in this series just, just to help us. Um, if, if, you're, if you're a halfway person right now, for good or for bad reasons, I feel like God wants to provide some breakthrough for you this morning. And when you bring that card up, man, let's just pray. There's people here who would love to pray with you. Uh, I believe God wants, I'm just writing down what I feel like the Lord told me. I believe he wants to release a spirit of single-mindedness and wholehearted love for him. Now, we've got to follow through with discipline. Good relationships take discipline. Friday night's date night for Mary and I. It's a discipline. We love it. But we protect that day. I protect her and Mary gets mad at me. She comes after me with violence, spiritual violence, you know. <laughs> um, but but it's, it's discipline and passion. Discipline and passion. But I believe that God also gives us some jump starts, some stepping stone moments. I believe that God has that for some of you today if you need that. He wants to break off some things. He wants to give you a spirit of discipline and of single-mindedness and wholehearted love. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that uh, you uh, rebuke us because you love us, not because you're mad at us, but Lord, you care. And Lord, we want to be a church that's ready for the last days, whether it's in 10 years or 50 years. Uh, We want to be ready for what you have. God, we want to be prepared. We don't want to be weighed down. We don't want to be distracted. We don't want to be clueless 
Lord, we want to we be in on what you're doing now and in the future. So, Father, we confess to you, even right now, Lord, we've been distracted by some things. Not bad things, we've just been distracted by some things. Lord, some of us have let our relationship with you slide down the priority level to where we're just not excited about our relationship with you right now. Maybe we're just, we're just dry right now. Lord, some of us have left our, let our obedience slip down. We've thought, well, I, I, I love him and I, and I worship him so I can do whatever I want to. And we've let our obedience just go down in a way that it's not honoring you. Lord, I want to thank you that your heart is always forgiveness. God, your heart is always love. And Lord, you're our biggest, you're our biggest champion. So Father, we look to you right now. God, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing. Lord, we come to you with, with uh, confidence because we know that you love us this morning. And Lord, we just want to be, Lord, just right there <laughs> in loving you. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, speak into our life right now and just show us what you have for us. And Lord, we love you and bless you in Jesus' name.